few guns, one or two, maybe more. The street was crowded, but I'm sure they would have used them if it really came to that. I didn't think they saw me slip out and walk up six just before I turned the corner. I checked over my shoulder just in case. There they were. I didn't know what to do. I had two options. The park or surrender. Surrendering meant a bullet in the side of my head. They take my wallet and push me into an alley and do it quick, without anyone batting an eye. My eyelashes would flap two or three times as I watched the pool of blood form around my limp body. I saw it happen once. Opened the window off my kitchen on a Sunday morning and two guys were backing a woman into the alley. Must have known something she wasn't supposed to. Seen something. Done something. Bang. One shot square in the back of her head and she went down. I couldn't end up like that though. I'm lucky the bastards didn't see me that morning. I had a wife and kids in the other room and there was rumor of work on the other side of Appalachia. In a town just north of Chicago, iron mines. Hard work, but something I might be good at. Far from booze and showgirls, back alleys and gin bottles dipped in the blood. I had a feeling when I left that morning that I should have stayed home. I had three clues. The old lady who lives above me usually wakes up at the ass of dawn hitting those damn carpets of hers until they're clean. Old Mildred Pandemonium, as my wife and I like to call her. Mildred was quiet this morning. Silent. And I can't tell you why. The second clue was the water temperature in the shower. The water pressure is generally pretty low, but on this day it went from a brisk 55 to a 110 in one second flat. Spraying me. Right here, pushing me back, 
almost into the wall. Stay right here, old man. Don't go. And the third sign was a big one. I was already out the door, said goodbye to Marsha, Steve Jr., and little Madeline, and pulled the door shut when the doorknob came off. Now, how the hell did... Sorry, sorry. About my cursing. My father was a sailor and my mother... Well, she wasn't much better. I should have taken the hint. The signs the universe was giving me, some god out there was giving me a nudge. A big heads up that wherever I was going was the wrong side of the tracks. It was a short day. I made the deliveries I was supposed to make in the AM and early afternoon and had the rest of the day to dip my elbows in the drops of gin at my favorite downtown watering hole just south of the park. I ain't talking about no 21 club where Mae West swung from the chandeliers. This place was such a dive the cops didn't care if we filled our glass with moonshine or turpentine. Must have been just after five when they came in. They had a girl with them and she was acting kind of funny. Young girl. Probably 15 or so. Lots of lipstick and clothes that made her look like she was heading to a New Year's celebration. She could have been one of the guy's daughter, but there were only a few drinks in and you could tell she was his. I shouldn't have said anything. It wasn't my place. Guys like that, you just shouldn't interfere with. It's just, I... I looked at this girl, who was obviously scared, and dressed like one of them Bowery prostitutes. I looked at her sipping on her straw with her bright red lipstick and thought of my own little girl. In a blink of an eye, this could be Madeline. To hell and back before she's even legal. I set down my drink and I gave those men a piece of my mind. Before I knew it, one guy was reaching into his vest. I looked up at the other one, had a momentary flashback to that scene I saw in the alley. I knew these men. And I knew I was in for it. I was out the door before the guys could blink. I knew I had to get away, fast. 
Hell's Kitchen was like the palm of my hand, and I crossing up and down around those parts like a pair of lions were chasing me. The one guy was fast on my trail, his buddy close behind. I ran into the big entrance to the park right at dusk. I tried zigzagging in case they started shooting. My pace increased when I passed the thicket. There used to be a thicket right there, at the entrance. It's just a tree or two now. You'd hardly even recognize. I reached a place I thought they wouldn't find me. Just over there. It was getting dark, and a fog was rolling in. When I was a kid, I used to love the feeling of fog swirling all around me. I stood there still, very still, more still than I had ever been in my entire life. I held one hand on my chest and the other muffling my nose and mouth, trying to eliminate any sound, any huff, huff, huffing from my breath. Any noise could activate my potential execution. There was a rustle in the bushes and my balls kicked up to high motion. It's just a rabbit, I hoped. A squirrel. Something. Anything but. second where I imagined Steve Jr. and little Madeline sitting in the window looking down to the street waiting just waiting for their daddy to come home that night Marsha lifting the cover off a pot of boiling potatoes one for each of them Two for me, her husband, their dad. It's getting late, she'd think to herself. The first shot missed. The first shot missed. The first shot missed. The second hit me here. It was a clear shot. Two more steps. And I went down. They didn't eat dinner that night. Marsha fell asleep in the window sill with our little ones, our babies in her arms, waiting for daddy to come home, waiting 
for their father. You're not imagining it. We really are here. That noise in the bushes. That gust of wind that tickles the hair on the back of your neck. That chill of your spine. The shift from hot to cold to freezing cold to warm again. A whisper in your ear. That sense. That something just isn't right. You stepped into something you never believed in. Never knew was possible. Could be real. Every evening, just when dusk swirls between the trees and rustles the leaves, you can see a man making his way through the bushes right there. Shivering. Shaking. Wishing. He had hugged his little Madeline. One last time. 